0: Welcome to the second in our two-part series on following God's lead in times of transition. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for drawing us together as you have, and I pray that I would not get in the way of what you plan to say, but that you would speak and that our hearts would hear what you have to say. Lord, we thank you. Let this be to the glory of Christ's name alone. Amen. Last week, as we considered Elijah's life, we realized that when the brook he was depending on dried up, he was not guided by his changing circumstances, but rather by the word of the Lord that came to him. And today, as we continue to reflect on how God leads his people, we realize the importance not only of hearing God's word in the midst of life's challenges, but also of acting on it. If you ask me, it's one thing to be listening for the word of the Lord and it's quite another thing to obediently go wherever he sends you. So as we explore that more today, I want us to look this time at two different people in the New Testament and how during their own unique times of transition, God led them in similar ways to the way in which he had led Elijah. The first is the Apostle Paul, and we pick up his story when he was staying in the city of Ephesus. Ephesus was a major seaport in Asia, through which the massive import-export trade with Rome flowed. And if you think about it, Ephesus was the perfect place for Paul to preach the gospel, for those who heard his message would ultimately spread the good news about Jesus along the trading routes that they traveled. The city of Ephesus was renowned for its culture and a large amphitheater that could seat 25,000 people. It also had a huge temple to the goddess Artemis that attracted thousands of visitors each year and many in the city made their living from the worship of that false god. Initially, Paul had faced severe opposition to his message about Jesus from those in the Jewish synagogue at Ephesus. Undeterred, however, he continued to preach the good news about Christ in a different venue for the next three years, and Paul's ministry flourished. Those who followed witchcraft turned away from the magic arts, people were set free from demonic oppression, and the sick were miraculously miraculously healed. Many were coming to faith in that city. It was in the midst of this very successful season of ministry that Paul later tells us he received news that the church in Jerusalem was suffering, and hearing of their difficult circumstances, Paul determined to do something to help them. Acts 19.21 reveals that Paul wished to take up an offering for them and so he decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia to collect donations for the Jewish believers. He also told his friends that he knew God had called him to visit Rome afterwards as well. I understand that it does sound as if Paul may have reached that decision of his own accord, but in the original language of this text, we're told that Paul purposed or decided in the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. In other words, one might say that upon hearing of the Jewish Christ followers circumstances in Jerusalem, the word of the Lord came to Paul, and it was the Holy Spirit who led him to take up a love offering for the struggling believers there. However, because of the work in Ephesus, Paul tarried, and Acts 19.22 tells us that Paul sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, to Macedonia while he stayed in the province of Asia a little longer. As Paul continued preaching, so many people turned to Christ in Ephesus that demand began to fall for the images of Artemis among the tourists, which had a drastic effect on the livelihood of the many silversmiths in that city. Fearing for their future as the sale of their idols slowed, the silversmiths eventually rioted, and gathering in the city's large amphitheater, they cried out for Paul to be put to death for his teaching about Christ. If you know the story, the disciples and the city officials, after some considerable struggle, eventually managed to prevent Paul from going into the amphitheater to speak to the crowd. You see, he was not afraid, but rather he saw it as a wonderful opportunity to share the gospel with an even larger group of people. But eventually, the city clerk was able to calm the situation down by reminding the rioters that their unruly behavior might bring the wrath of Rome down on their city, which up to that point at least had managed to remain free of Rome's domination. Acts 20 verse 1 reveals that when the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples and after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area speaking many words of encouragement to the people and finally arrived in Greece where he stayed three months before he finally began his long-awaited journey to Jerusalem. This episode in Paul's life really speaks to me because I think we see how both the word of the Lord and his circumstances played a part in getting Paul started on the journey that God was sending him on. The writer of Acts then goes on to map out their voyage to Jerusalem in verse 16 of chapter 20, disclosing that Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church, and when they arrived, he asked them to remember the way that he had lived among them, how despite much opposition, he had faithfully taught them publicly and from house to house, and how he had consistently declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus." In verse 22, he concluded telling them, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me, that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Scholars believe that Paul chose to avoid returning to Ephesus because of how painful it had been to leave them, and he did not want to open those wounds again. They had been his community for so long. He knew and loved so many of them, and the emotion they all felt was so evident, because after spending time with only the church elders in my we are told in verse 36 that when Paul had finished speaking he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. How hard it must have been for all of them to part. You know, last week I mentioned that I had recently moved to a different state. It was not an easy decision at all. And as I struggled with what I was to do, this was one of the passages of Scripture that God used to speak to me. Though I'm no Paul... I realized that there were similarities between us and God helped me to see that though Paul had a successful ministry in Ephesus, though he could have marveled at how God was working through him there, he was still willing to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit, despite the fact that he was not sure of what awaited him on the journey. He loved the people of Ephesus and yet their friendship The sense of community he had in that city was not enough to dissuade Paul from obeying the Lord's command. Like Elijah, all those years before, his only goal was to do the will of God. The Lord encouraged me that it might be hard to leave all that he was doing in the place that I used to live. It might be hard to leave friends behind, but that cannot be what I focus on. For as the word of the Lord began to prompt me towards my own migration, I was to obey in the knowledge that though Paul's journey was not easy for him, Though some tried to dissuade him from seeing it to completion, God used Paul far more in the extension of his kingdom after he left Ephesus than ever he had before. It's hard, very hard, to move away from the familiar, but my prayer has always been that I finish the race and complete the task God has given me, and that I always follow him where he leads." I do want to emphasize, though, as I did in our last time together, that following God's lead doesn't necessarily mean he's going to take you across the country or the world. The journey he plans for you may take you just down the street. Peter was another man of God who was used by the Lord in powerful ways, and I'd like us to take a look at how he obeyed the word of the Lord that came to him in Acts chapter 10. This takes place about 10 years after Pentecost. Up to this point, the followers of Jesus had all been from some kind of Jewish background, but... Here we learn of a Roman centurion by the name of Cornelius, who was stationed at Caesarea on the Mediterranean coast. Despite being from a Gentile background, he and his whole family were God-fearing people. And verse 2 tells us that Cornelius gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. If you read on, an angel of the Lord appeared to Cornelius saying that God had noticed his actions and that he was to send to the city of Joppa about 30 miles away for a man named Peter who would be at the house of Simon the Tanner. The angel then told Cornelius that Peter would tell them what he must do. I want you to notice that despite being a devout man who had heard about the living God and who prayed, Cornelius apparently was not saved. And that's a truth we all have to understand, that no matter how good a person is, We all still fall far short of God's standard for holiness. All of us need a saviour and Cornelius needed someone to explain to him about Jesus. Immediately, Cornelius sent a couple of his servants to Joppa to find the man that the angel had told him about. The next day, as the servants drew near the city, Peter was up on the roof of Simon's house praying. It was about lunchtime and Peter was getting hungry. Acts 10.10 10 tells us that as he was praying, the word of the Lord came to Peter. He fell into a trance He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, "'Get up, Peter, kill and eat.'" Peter loved the Lord and being from an observant Jewish background, Peter had never touched any food that the law of Moses declared to be unclean. So can you imagine the surprise he must have felt when he saw all of these animals and heard God's command? Before this otherworldly sheet was taken up to heaven again, the voice said the same thing three times over to Peter. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. I don't know why God repeated his word to Peter three times. Perhaps it was because he knew it would remind Peter of Christ's earlier discussion with him on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Where he restored Peter after having asked him three times if he loved him. I don't know. All I do know is that this vision captured Peter's attention and it ended up not being about what he should or should not eat. At all. Rather, it was about the fact that God was about to take Peter outside of his comfort zone. He was going to ask Peter to come join him where he was in a place that Peter, much like Elijah all those years before, would have been very hesitant to go. Though Peter followed Jesus Christ, he was also a Jew, and the laws and traditions of Judaism forbid fellowship with unclean or impure Gentiles. But God was about to turn Peter's known world upside down. He was about to call him outside of the Jewish culture that he'd been part of for so long. No sooner had he begun to wonder at the meaning of his vision, Cornelius's messengers arrived at the gate asking for Peter, and calling Peter by his old name, the Holy Spirit commanded, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. That phrase there where the Spirit tells him that he is to go with them without hesitation, it can also be translated that he is to go with them without discrimination. At the Holy Spirit's command, Peter is not to hold anything against these Gentiles or treat them any differently because of where they came from. We must understand that to obey God, Peter would have to risk pretty much everything at this point. You see... He was a leader in the Jewish community that followed Jesus, but none of them had ever realized that the good news might apply to the Gentiles as well. But Peter, obedient to the Lord's call, went out to speak with the men who'd traveled so far to find him. He quickly learned from them of their master's good reputation amongst the Jewish people and of how an angelic messenger had told Cornelius to send for Peter by name so that he could bring them God's message. The next day, Peter wisely brought other Jewish believers with him as witnesses, and the whole group set out for Joppa. By the time Peter arrived in Caesarea, we are told in verse 24 that Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends to hear the important message that God's servant would bring. Cornelius was certainly a foreigner to the things of God because as Peter crossed his threshold, the Roman threw himself down at Peter's feet to worship him. But Acts 10, 26 reveals, Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said, I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you're all well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate. Associate with or visit a Gentile, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent me? Peter was willing to put aside years of prejudice to follow where Christ led. Don't forget, this wasn't just any Gentile. It was one who worked for the hated Roman oppressors. And do you see that Peter still wasn't even sure why he was there? Previously... Jesus had declared that the gospel was to be taken to the ends of the earth, but apparently Peter had not yet realized that this was it, that this was part of Christ's great commission to include non-Jews in salvation. Jesus had gone ahead of him and the Holy Spirit was already at work in this Roman soldier's life. And for his part, Peter was willing to risk everything to join Christ where he was, outside of the camp of his own culture and his own people. Peter had obeyed God without objection and he had gone to the house of someone considered to be his enemy because God had told him to. Cornelius explained that as he was fasting and praying several days earlier, a man in bright clothing stood before him and said that God had heard his prayers. He was told to send for Peter, who, according to the angel, was to speak to him. Cornelius concluded, Now, we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. And finally, Peter understood. God does not show favoritism. God is willing to accept those from other nations without discrimination. And so Peter began to share the good news about Jesus Christ with Cornelius and his friends, even though they were Gentiles. He told them of Christ's life, his death, burial, and resurrection, and of how Peter had not only been a witness to it all, but that he had been commanded to preach. And in verse 42 to testify that Jesus is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. Peter went on to declare to them that everyone who believes in Christ receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And with that, those Gentiles present immediately believed in their hearts that Jesus not only could forgive and save them, but that he would. And in verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit very evidently came on all who heard the message. The Gentiles, you see, began speaking in tongues and praising God, and all who came with Peter realized that it was because of the power of the Holy Spirit upon them. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. The Gentiles had finally come in and God had used Peter to cast the net. We are all part of God's family today because the word of the Lord came to Peter and he obeyed that day and despite the risk to himself, followed God to the house of his enemy." To successfully follow God in times of transition, we need to listen for his voice and obey his commands, even if that means going outside of everything we hold dear or that is familiar. Obedience to God's call must be our priority, and if we suffer the reproach of our fellow men for standing with the Lord, then so be it. You know, people tried to dissuade Paul from his journey and many others criticized Peter for his. But God used these obedient men nonetheless and Jesus will use us too in new ways if we're willing to take the risk. Perhaps God is calling you to a Cornelius in your own life. My advice to you is don't see them as your enemy, but rather as your mission field. Be willing to answer God's call and step across a different threshold for Christ. Following God's lead is not always easy. There will be a cost involved, but if you're willing, why not join me in prayer as we conclude? Lord God, thank you for being a God who speaks. Thank you for not only sending your word to us, but also for giving us the strength to do what you call us to. Help us to be willing to follow your lead and to go outside of our comfort zones. Help us to be willing to risk for the sake of your kingdom. And Lord, help us to be focused on your will rather than our own being done. God, I pray that you would use us for the extension of your kingdom, whether that takes us to an unknown future or to the house of our enemy. It is in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to In the Word with Michelle Telfer. Join us next week as we continue our study from God's Word Bible. For more of Michelle's resources, visit her website at in the